For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in 76ers with your hosts, former 76ers point guard Eric Snow and two Sixers fanatics in Marcus and Tasia Dash. Believe in 76ers is presented by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is your number one source for all your sports betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Believe in 76ers podcast. I'm Marcus Dash here with legendary 76ers point guard Eric Snow and my brother Tasia Dash. The trifecta is back. Last week I had the, you know, I, I, I want to say it was, a, it was kind of a bad flu or not bad flu, bad cold. Maybe a little bit fluish, yeah. uh, but I'm good to go now. I, I heard what you guys had to say about me being softer from the softer generation. Um, took that to heart a little bit, but, uh, you know, came back to the show. We didn't say anything about the generation. I, I did. Remember? We didn't say he generation. Did. We just said, you know. Yeah, you, you yeah. said soft. I, I, I didn't say generation. generation. You know? Yeah. Wait, you you, you said soft. Tasia made a generational thing, which, you know, if he wants to make it that game, he is technically a millennial, as am I a millennial. So if you want to say soft generation, you are still in the same generation as me. So. And I'm sick right now, and I am i don't feel great. So, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you and feel you. Yeah, but you know what? I I think I uh, there's, a, there's a whole thing going around the league. I mean, Embiid's not playing games. Maxi missed the game with the illness. Um, and then I, I think seeing other guys in the league. Uh, I think Trey Young might miss the game tonight because of an illness. So like, it's oh, is it illness related? I didn't know it was illness related. Is it? Yeah, that's that's, that's what I read earlier. So I mean, something's going around. So, I mean, you know. Well, I couldn't I imagine playing with this. This would be brutal. I don't, if I had a game, I probably would have played last Friday. I probably would have missed shoot-around. I probably would have missed shoot-around, though. Yeah, yeah, you would have missed shoot-around, yeah. <laughs> You'd have been bad by halftime. <laughs> Eric, when you, when you see guys miss shoot-around, like, why is that, like, obviously, usually when the guy misses shoot-around, there's a chances of they're probably not going to play on that game on, like, that, that, that at night. But, like, how crucial is the whole shoot-around to playing? Like, let, let's say, like, I miss you around, but I play on uh, Friday night. What does that? What does that mean? Like, is that like a? I mean, does that negatively impact a player if they miss shoot around? I mean, the whole the whole the whole shoot around thing has been. Um, there's so many things that goes around that whole shoot around myth thing. Majority of the guys in the league don't want to do shoot arounds. Don't think you need to do shoot arounds. So. A guy missing a shoot around when I played, it wasn't looked at as well. Maybe he won't play. 
it was just looked at, he just missed the shoot around. Like him, him missing the shoot around was more of putting him in better position to play. More so than him missing the shoot around, so that means he's not going to play the game. It's just looked at differently. You know what I'm saying? So if you didn't feel well, they're like, okay, well, don't go to shoot around. Go rest up, and hopefully you feel better later so you can play. Okay. But now people miss, don't miss shoot around. they like, well, I'll see you in three games. It, you know, that's just where it's different. Yeah, because shoot around and aspect, like, but also didn't miss a lot. So we true. just didn't miss a lot of games. So guys were more inclined to miss a shoot around or practice over a game. Must be a generational thing. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I mean, I can't. I can't necessarily blame the players only when you know the team encourages it, enables it. So you can't just blame the players. Yeah. Yeah, because the shoot around thing, like when you go to games and stuff, and you see like guys are doing their shoot around like about an hour to two hours before the game. Obviously, shoot around at noon on the day of the game. So like, there is time to shoot around as far as like to, to get your shots in and warm ups before the game. Yeah, I mean, like what shoot around, I get it from a standpoint of if you have a road game, for instance, and you want to go and get some shots up on that particular court. Um, as far as the prepping and walking through the plays and the things and walking through what you want to do, like that can be done right before the game. Like that can be done in a, in a hallway. Like you don't necessarily need a court to do that. Like we've we've done shoot arounds in ballrooms in a hotel, in the conference room. We've done shoot arounds. Okay, tape a little. You put some tape on the make a little Nerf ball and do a shoot around. We've done that. So what do you, what do you think people do on back to backs? They don't. They don't have <laughs> shoot arounds. So what's the difference? <laughs> you don't have shoot arounds yep. on back to backs, and you still go play the game. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, shoot arounds to me is overrated. Like, I've heard different rumors on why people have them, you know, to try to discourage people from hanging out the night before, which doesn't work at all, if that's the reason. Um, <laughs> so, I'm not necessarily against them, but I don't think it is something that needs to be a part of. Um, the game i just i just don't see it that way like i think maybe in college is different because it's repetition repetition in college um and you have fewer games per week but it, uh, in the nba when you're playing an opponent and you playing a different opponent in two days um you're prepping for that game should have already been done by then the shoot around mm-hmm. is just more of going over what you're going to do more so than establishing what you're going to do. Like a formality almost. You may, you, may, you may make a few things. Like if you play a team, you, you, you approach every game trying to do what you do, whatever you believe in, and then you may play any particular team. You may have to make an adjustments based on who you're playing. You're playing the Lakers. you you got to make an adjustment of, with LeBron and AD. How are you going to defend them one-on-one? How are you going to defend their pick and rolls? You know, 
you go and play the Joker. Okay, how are we going to are we going to double him? Are we going to play him on the perimeter? How are we going to play him on the post? Um, you know, if we do double, how are we going to double off a particular player, off the top, off the bottom? Like what? Like you have to make those adjustments each game, and that's something you kind of go through and, sh- and for shoot around and you talk about it and you walk through it. But like I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be on the court to do that. That's why people don't have necessarily always have shoot arounds at the arena. Sometimes you have it at your practice facility. Hmm. It's interesting. Hmm. That's, that's funny. That's just a way to try to keep you from not going out. It's like all you're doing is, that's not going to happen. All you're really doing is making the shoot around shitty. That's, like, that's, that has, I mean, guys, because most guys are going to get some sleep before the shoot around and they'll get some afterwards. Like, that's yeah. what they do. Like, I mean, most NBA guys can play a game on a few hours of sleep. Now, they may be tired afterwards, but they yeah. can play a game on a few hours. Now, if it's a back to back, that next night's game is going to probably be way worse. If they don't yes. get, if they don't catch like we always said, We always said the same was always. Um, the game in Miami don't get you is always a game afterwards. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, so obviously uh, we got some stuff to talk about this week and it's been about a week since our last show. Um, so we're going to dig in here with uh, talking more about Tobias Harris. Last time you guys were on, you guys talked a little bit about Tobias um, kind of his, sticking with the same numbers that he usually has, whether whether he's the one or the two option. Um, so this is kind of talking, kind of sticking with that same uh, aspect here. So in the nine games that uh, Kelly Oubre has played in, since Kelly Oubre is back finally, so that's, that's good that he's recovered from uh, his bike accident, um, allegedly. But uh, in the nine games that Oubre has played in, uh, Tobias Harris has been the third highest scorer in five of those games. To start the season, we assumed that Tobias was the third option behind Embiid and Maxi. Um and, you know, we obviously assumed that, that was going to happen when, you know, Nick Nurse is going to unlock him. You know, that was kind of the talk and the buzz. But uh, what's your confidence level uh, in that for the rest of the season that Tobias would be the uh, the third option behind Maxi and Embiid? So going forward. Going forward, yeah. Hmm. I would say it's high that he's going to be that third guy. Um. But I think that him being that third guy, he he's closer to that fourth option than he is one and two. Um, that fourth option will have games or a streak where they may outscore him. But I think in the long haul of a season, when you talk about averages, I think he'll be that guy. So before I get to mine, I just want to ask you based off what you just said. So for rest of season, when Maxi Embiid, Ubre, and Harris are all in the game or also all healthy and playing, do you think Harris will end up being the third highest scorer in that game more often, or Ubre will be the third highest scorer in those games? Harris. In the long haul of the season. Okay. Um, I mean, I think the I, one thing that Obre has going for him is he has shown the ability with this team to score in a good amount of scoring without plays being called for him and without mm-hmm. 
particular catch and shoot. Um, so if he keeps that up, it'll be close. I just think at the end of the day, I think as the season goes on, and we as we all we all know that we're about to start playing better teams, especially as as the NFL ends. Um, that I think it about us out, and I, I I think Tobias will end up being more of a focus from the team and the coaching staff as time goes on. It seems to be so game to game. Because if he's not, be- then then that to me that doesn't spell something good for us. Yeah, yeah, or, or Tobias. I mean, I don't think it bodes well for us if if he's not. That's what I'm saying for Tobias. I don't think it bodes well for him, for us yeah. and him, if and he's him, not. Yeah, yeah. Just Ubre's just so much more aggressive. He just lets it fly. It's like he just gets the ball, and if he's open, he's got the he's got the space. He shoots it. Tobias just like seems like I don't know, man. He just he's like that that's, quarterback. But that's also ball. style of play. But that's style yeah. of play, though. Like like. That's what I'm saying. When you're in a, a style of play and you've always played free like that, that's that's where it's different. That's where Obre has been a good fit because of what they're kind of allowing him to do. It's been other guys that's been in that road and hasn't succeeded thus far like he has um, mm-hmm. because that kind of fits his style a little more. Yeah, if you look at Ubre's all team, I mean, let's be honest, Ubre's mostly paid for bad teams where he just can do whatever the hell he wants and just let come off the bench and just shoot like 15 times off the, off the bench and just let it fly. That's been his role. So it's, it's fit in pretty easily and nicely with us. Um, I just feel like, yeah, I feel like Harris is like one of those quarterbacks who won't pull a trigger on throwing the ball to the guys like wide open. Like he just won't like just let it rip when, you know, right when the guy turns, right? Like he has to like wait to the guys like, Fully open, and then the cornerback gets there in time and knocks the ball down before he, he can get to the ball there. It's just I, that's it's just a frustrating thing with him. Um, he's got the ability to, but like you said last week, I you feel like you feel like he needs a coach to like tell him you got to get yours today. Like you need to shoot more today. You need to be more aggressive today. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'm firm on that. I feel like like it needs to be stressed. With him, and it needs to be stressed with with the with the team, um, the players, the team. They all need to like, make it a make it important to accomplish that. Like they really need to do that. And I, I feel like it's always been. I think part of uh, Tobias's detriment, especially with the Philadelphia era, that you know, in part of his career. I feel like it's always just been assumed he'll just fall in line and and create that role himself and run with it right we came when we had the Simmons and Embiid lineup and it was like oh well I mean Tobias is going to have so many open opportunities he'll figure it out and then when Harden came it was like man Tobias is going to have so many open shots now with uh, Harden and Embiid drawing attention he'll figure it out I feel like it's he's always just kind of just thrown in there and expected to deliver with for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, 
for the ones who get it done. Without much of like a, a game plan for him, or like like you said, but that, any but that's the thing about it. He's in, in every in, in all the instances that you you spoke about, it was all about him figuring it out and getting the shots in a situation that's not necessarily best for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that's what the issue is. If we're saying he's a spot up shooter and he's a catch and shoot guy. We all know that's not what he does best. We all know he can do it, but that's not what he does best. So that's where it's different. That's where you that's where you kind of get the it's not really the inconsistency, but it's not the dominance that we know he he's capable of doing. But that's where that dominance is like a roller coaster because it's he's not always in position to play the certain way or play an impactful way that's that he's able to stay with it consistently. It's just just hard to accomplish. Yeah. And with a lack of touches, you just got to be so friggin' efficient to be effective. And, that, um, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I said it has to be a point of emphasis to get him the ball and call plays for him. He need plays and touches. And he touches with plays. Like, that's what he needs. Yeah. And, and, and we all know they – they're not doing that this year. He's scoring, but they're not doing that. Mm-mm. And you look at his shot attempts, too. I mean, besides last year, which, you know, we had Harden and B and Maxi, we knew the shot attempts were going to be low last year. Besides last year, it's his lowest shots per game since 2016 with Detroit. Um, that's a long time, and 13.1 this year. Um, his two-point percentages aren't bad. It's at 51% from the field. His three-point percentage is bad. Uh, I think it's thir- just under 32%. Um, so that ha- that just has to be better. And I think he'll have some positive regression and, and kind of equal it out a little bit. He's just shooting – not shooting well so far. Um, if we look at Uber though, he's averaging two points less than him, shooting the same percentage on two less shots per game, 5% higher from three. So that's where he kind of makes up the difference there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily a terrible problem to have where if you have two guys who can potentially be your – number three score um again i don't want to count money but when you look at Ubre and uh, tobias doing similar things one guy's making one point like seven and one guy's making like 40.7 it you, you know well, but you can, you can make the argument Ubre is playing for one of those contracts where the, 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 the you have that, that, that added hunger aspect man Here's the thing, Marcus. Ubre can average uh, Tobias's career high this year, and he won't be getting that money. Okay, so <laughs> he, he did average that last year. Ubre averaged twenty yeah. points a game. What did that get him? That got him one point seven. Um. So I know this is Tobias and Uber to this question, but um, yeah, I mean, what are you gonna say, Eric? Go ahead, Eric. Say it again. No, I'm good. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, I know we're talking Tobias and Ubre, um, but like this is, I mean, so now that Ubre's healthy, now that Batum, his personal reasons are gone, we're finally going to have a more consistent uh, aspect of having both those guys, Batum and Ubre. Ubre's first game back, Batum is still in the starting lineup. How do you see the minutes um, between the two of them? How do you think they're going to kind of juggle um, the rotation between those two guys? Because it seems like they're pl- kind of playing the same role, Eric. How do, you, how do you think the nurse is going to kind of juggle those two? Um, 
It'd be interesting, but I, I, I can I can probably see him playing Kelly more of a two and Milton some one. Um I think Pat the way he's played recently will make that hard. Um and I think you'll see Batum playing some four. Um and that'll come down to you know how well Twin plays, um, and, and Paul. So I I don't think it's going to be a any set way. I just think you have those top eight guys, and you're going to kind of work it based on who's playing well and based on your competition and the size of your competition, who who's playing, who can defend, who matchups. Um, I really do think it is probably be a game by game thing on the minutes for the three reserves off the bench. The starters, I believe their minutes are going to be consistent um, for the most part. But I think those other guys, you know, it it could, you know, waver a little bit. Do you think they'll stick with Batum at the starting three uh, and kind of what it is right now? Because, I mean, Uber before he got injured was, the, was, was starting at the three. Yeah, I mean, but that was when he got injured – we had just made the trade, correct? Or, yeah. or was it right before, right after? Like when? When was? I think it, it was right. I think it was right after, as when he got injured. Did he play with those guys before he got? I think Ubre and him had after, one crossover. After the trade? I think I think Ubre and him had one cross. Uh, Ubre and Batum had one crossover game, I believe, so, before yeah. the injury. Um, I, I mean, I can actually see it going either way. Um. I think if they do put Kelly back in the lineup, it'll kind of it won't be immediate. Like over time, I think that it would probably things would have to probably Batum would probably have to not play well, or the team is not playing well for them to really go right back to it. I, I think they're probably comfortable having him come off. And, and be able to give them that offensive burst more so than maybe the other guys that, that are coming off the bench with him. So I can see see them leaving it just like that and, you know, making an adjustment later in the season if, if the way we're playing calls for it. You got to remember, too, I mean, Batum is not a – minutes hog i mean his last three years he's averaged around like 22 23 minutes a game so you know even if he does start he's not going to play like crazy starter minutes so i mean you have a chance there to kind of mix and match your lineups and no, no, I'd, rather, I'd rather not overplay but too much yeah i believe that play even if batum, i believe if even if batum does start he he won't um i, I won't i don't think he would play more even if he does start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, moving on here. So Eric mentioned that we're going to be uh, coming to a, a kind of difficult part of our schedule, but not before we have to go through this really easy stretch that's coming our way. So the combined record of our next six opponents is 30 and 93. Um, these next six opponents are Atlanta, back to uh, playing Washington again. We have Detroit two times in a row. Oof. We have the Charlotte Hornets, and then we have the Chicago Bulls. The uh, Detroit Pistons, if you don't know, are on an 18-game losing streak. So there you go. Um, so we can play those two two times this week. So that's that's that'll, that'll be fun. So my question to you guys is: Would anything other than a six and zero week be a disappointment? 
I mean, I, I mean, I think we need to win those games if you're, you know, if we're talking about home court advantage. We need to win those games. But six and zero, I mean, I'm, I would be fine with five and one. Um, four and two, maybe. But if four we're if we're serious about get if we're serious about getting home court advantage, um, we 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 have to win. We have to win. You know, five or six of those games. I mean, four or two. I mean, you you would look at it from from the Bulls standpoint. Bulls have beaten some good teams before, and Atlanta have beaten some good teams. So it's not like we're playing teams that you know. Like I'll be disappointed if we lose to the Pistons. Yeah, we shouldn't lose. Yeah. Um, Charlotte's beaten some good teams. Um, you know, they have. So those teams can you know Washington has beaten us before, (laughs) even though you know recently we've kind of. Had their number, but they almost won that game. So that's why I say four and two wouldn't shock me. It would probably start my little disappointment a little bit. Four and two would. Uh, yeah, I would be disappointed with four and two. Five and one wouldn't shock me because we tend to kind of have letdown games against inferior opponents. We almost lost against Washington. If we didn't get hot at the end of that fourth quarter, yeah, and if Kuzma didn't have to guard Embiid for the past yeah. last couple minutes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> they played pretty well, so man. The Detroit games are what home and home. I think, it, I think it's split. Actually, I have the schedule up right here. It's uh, split at Detroit, yeah. then two days later at Philly. We got we got two at home. Straight Atlanta, Atlanta at Philly, Washington at Philly, at Detroit, and then Detroit at Philly, and then at Charlotte, and then back at home for Chicago. Um, so a little mini mini All Star break for them. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should win it all. If Harden was still on our team, this would be the week they would tell him, "All right, go." Go ahead and go back to Houston or go back to go to Vegas and have a good time, man. You're, 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 you don't have to play for the next few games. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would be 30 and 93. That's that's insane. Um, that's, that's crazy. Like, if you say it that way, it's like, man, I don't want to lose any of those games. But, yes, the, the two that you said, Chicago and Atlanta, those are the ones I could swallow a little better than, than the other ones. Um, especially with Chicago actually looking pretty good without Levine, which is interesting. They're playing like more like a team now without him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I expect us to go six and zero. I'm gonna like every time we do a game prediction, I'm gonna pick the Sixers against these teams every single time. But nah, it wouldn't shock me if we had one one clunker in there, especially if we rest guys too, right? Because you you know, like if you're gonna rest guys, this would be the stretch to do it. One or two of these games, yeah. Especially with the sickness, sickness going around too, you never know who could you know catch something, or just kill teams by the third quarter, and you know MB doesn't play in the fourth like we did earlier in the season. Save their legs, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the thirty ninety three record, it is kind of skewed because the play, we played Detroit twice on there. I, so you're, I know <laughs> you're writing that record twice in there. <laughs> it makes it it makes it really bad. It's like it's like whoa, yeah. Uh, I feel for Monty over there. I think Monty will, you know, flip the switch and turn that around at some point. Yeah. Um, I think the, their name has been tied to Levine. That's been uh, a possible rumor. Detroit trading some of their young pieces to get uh, Levine. So, 
interesting how that how that whole thing will work. Um, so the uh, next topic we got. Uh, so, def- yeah, well, I think it's I think right now I, I think based on the reports, Levine ain't coming to Philly. Um, so I mean, and I think the I saw a report Lakers aren't interested in Levine anymore. I think that's what I what I read. Um, I think I think they're interested in DeRozan, but they're playing well right now with DeRozan kind of main the ship. Anchor and Caruso. And Caruso, yeah. But they're saying Caruso is their like their biggest trade chip they have right now. Like that's like they don't want to trade him because I saw some weird report yesterday. They don't want to trade Caruso because he's like their best success success story in like a long time for Chicago. I mean what? That's, I mean, he he wasn't even their success story. I mean, he, he played, he panned out with the uh, the, the uh, Lakers and then came over to you guys. Yeah, I don't, oh, I, don't okay. I don't understand. But how not? Uh, how you don't want How you don't run a franchise in twenty twenty three? There you go, Chicago. Yeah. I'm at it. Good luck with that. Yeah, we'll save that for the uh, the Bulls podcasts. Um, Okay, so big thing everyone's talking about, and a lot of people were, you know, when we got Nick Nurse, it was like, oh, man, he's a great defensive coach. Our defense is going to be great. Um, he's going to implement a great system. Defense is going to be fine. But the Sixers are kind of uh, – the defense is getting, being called into question by a lot of fans. People are kind of pissed off about what's going on out there. Obviously, fans get mad about everything, especially Philadelphia fans. However, defensively, I mean, there was something here. I mean, the Sixers have given up at least 122 points five out of the last seven games and have given up the 11th most – points per game over the last 10 games. I mean, Eric, you were probably one of the best defenders we've had in Philadelphia um, ever in my lifetime. Just overall, what are you seeing uh, defensively? What, what, what are we lacking right now? Um, is it scheme? Is it hustle? I mean, what, what's going on, Eric? Well, I mean, I think it's a combination. I don't, I don't wouldn't necessarily say scheme is much in, in hustle per se. I would say it's more of teams are like like I always say, as you play the season, teams start to figure you out. Um so teams are not a statistics and you you're a month or so in. Now teams are saying, okay, well, this is what they struggle with. Um oh, they do this. This is how you can attack them. So you're seeing more teams attack them in transition, and you're seeing more teams put Joel in pick and roll. One, it, he has to make a decision. If he's going to drop back, they're coming off shooting. If he comes up, it's pulling them away from the rim, protection, and rebounding. So making the decision on how you're going to play the pick and roll with Joel, um, the transition defense, and offensive rebound. I mean, and rebounding. You know, the offensive rebound, teams getting being able to offensive rebound and being able to convert <laughs> easier baskets or kick out threes from that. So it's the usual suspects, but I think that the emphasis for teams to push and run and transition um, has 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 picked up. And then, like I said, that what are you doing in the pick and roll with the pick and rolls with Joel? Because people are doing that to get his activity up, try to wear him down, and pull him away from the rim. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't like the amount of points we're giving up, but the one, I guess not positive, but the thing that equal it out a bit, right? It's looking across the NBA, scoring just higher than last year. Um, like the highest scoring team in the league right now sits at 128 per game. Guess who that is, by the way? You probably all guess who that is. Um, Indiana? Yeah. 
128 per game. The highest scoring team last year was 120. And uh, so, yeah, it's a big difference. Um, the average top five last year was 118. The average top five is almost 123. So just in general, scoring is at higher. Is defense down or is scoring higher? I, I, I don't know. Um, but it is sounds like a league-wide thing of just like, you know, more points allowed. I'm not too concerned yet. Um, you know, but we did make a trade in technically it was in season. Um, we've had guys in and out of the lineup. We have the illnesses. So, you know, hopefully um, once we have a consistent maybe third score, uh, we don't have to rely on MB to put as much offense. Maybe he can give a little more effort, not effort, sorry, energy on defensive side. Um I feel like he's playmaking a little more, so maybe he's just not as active defensively. But if he can just get back to being the anchor and down low, uh, maybe it could be better. Um, I, yeah, I, I, it's it's weird. It's just it's it's across the league, so I'm not that concerned yet. Eric, at what point does this have to go for you to be like, okay, um, there's a red flag here? At what at what point if this continues like till All Star break, you're like, all right, this is I mean, we have a defensive issue. Well, I mean, I think when you start losing multiple games because of it, and, and it'll show, um, I, I think that you'll see opponents consistently doing the same thing um, and, and it impacting you, and you're losing games from, from it, or, or you know, you're losing leads from it, or you're getting down big because of it. Um, that hasn't necessarily happened. It's been more of you know, flashes, but when you see the consistency in that, then it's like, okay, something needs to change. And I believe that they'll make the adjustment. It'll be either, either by schematic or personnel, but that's when you'll know, like, okay, this is something that needs to be addressed. And if it doesn't get addressed, maybe it's just something we can't, can't, can't change and can't impact, which is even a scarier thought. Mm-hmm. So we're four and three when giving up uh, over 120 points in a game. Small sample size. Yeah, it's not too bad. Oh. Still, right, well, yeah, we have plenty of time, I and mean, we're not even, not even midway through December right now. So, and this might not even be our final product of a team. So, you know what I mean? Like, who knows what we get back in there? We can use this time again, like we said earlier in the season, to kind of. Um, you know, redefine and, and, and look to see what holes we need to plug. Oh, we need a perimeter defender. Oh, we need an on-the-ball defender to guard ones. So, you know, we just need to evaluate. That's what this time's for. Yeah. And keep pushing the keep pushing the buck. Yeah. Uh, we just, we got we got we got we got a, uh, a piece in December. Right? You can't really base our defense on this right now. <laughs> yeah. That's no. anyway. Okay, so we're gonna go to our final topics of the episode. We have Friday night. We're back in action. We we're playing the Atlanta Hawks at home. We are an eight-point favorite as of right now. Uh, going to see what happens with uh, Trey Young. He's questionable going into tonight. Uh, we played Atlanta once already this season. We won that game. Um, who do you guys have, and what are you guys looking for in the game against the Atlanta Hawks? Well, I think you know we're home. I think we'll beat them. Hawks talents there. I just think they have the. They've been really inconsistent. Um, if Joel can, obviously he plays the way he's played before, um, we will definitely get it, but we, we can't let their bigs kind of match his play, which is, has happened in the past. 
Um, yeah. We'll need to defend. I think our, our guards have to um, have to make Trey defend and make him work. Um, we can't let him kind of play make and score and, and, and make plays, get to the free throw line. Um, the wing perimeter guys are, are very similar to, to ours. Um, so it's it's a team that could be a sort of a difficult matchup for us. Um, so I, I think we'll win it. I think they'll play us close, but I think we'll win it. Yeah, last time we played Atlanta, uh, Maxi had 19 points, eight assists, and um, Embiid went 32, eight, and seven in that game. Okay. Pretty solid. I'm also expecting a good game from Tobias Harris. Uh last three games against uh last three games against Atlanta, he's averaging almost twenty-five and uh almost nine. Twenty-five and nine in the last three games. He had twenty-nine and ten nice. against them last time we played them a couple weeks ago. Nice. Damn. So it's kind of like it's kinda like if he has struggles against them, then Look out, <laughs> because it's some it's, it's a team that he plays well against. So I, I really want to see him have a good game against someone he has a good game against usually. But yeah, I think I think we win and, and, and cover. I think we win by what's the spread? Eight, eight. Yeah, yeah. I think we cover that. Probably close to that though. Probably eight, eight to ten. I think we win by. I'll say we don't cover, but win. Ooh. Okay. All right. Tasia praising Tobias and. uh and as a as a prediction, not right. really, not really. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little caveat there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I gave him. I, I he has good stats against him. I was honest about that. But you, you gave a but, but if he has a bad game, there's problems. <laughs> yeah, because that's someone. I mean, you go out, you know, like it's it's like a he kills them. So it's like okay, well then, if you don't kill them now, what's going on, man? You know he knows that too. He just had twenty nine and ten against them. The Tobias doesn't just squeeze out twenty nines and tens every other every other. That's game, true. Okay? That's a yeah. big game for him. So you know he remembers that one. That's his highest point total of the season, right? It has to be. He hasn't hit the thirty. I'd say, yet. I'd say it might be a highest point total the last couple seasons. No. Yeah. Yeah. All so. Right, so we have we have our final uh, game uh, prediction before our next show on Tuesday. We got Monday night. We host the Washington Wizards. Obviously, we just talked about that game. We just played them uh, in Philly. That was or in, in Washington. That was a close one, uh, but nonetheless, we we came out with the came out victorious with Embiid's amazing performance. What do you guys? Who do you guys have uh, in this game against the Washington Wizards on Monday? Uh, we'll win that, that game. I think they'll come out with energy early on. We'll pull away and cover um, later in the second half. Um, Sort of similar to the way the last game went, but we'll extend that lead earlier. Um, I'd be very, I'll be very curious to see what the spread is of that game because they played us really tight. Um, I would even maybe take like a Wizards cover the first half, we win the game type bet because um, they tend to stick around in the beginning and then we we kind of pull away a little more. Um, but yeah. I think they'll play as tight again. Something about them is they kind of – they hang around, man. Um, but I, I do think we win just because I think we have to look at those opportunities and be like, we can't lose to – we can't lose to teams we, sh- we should we should beat. That's just – that's it. You want to be – 
if you want to be anything more than like the third option that everyone always calls us, like we're, we're, we're behind the Boston's and Milwaukee's of the world. You got to beat these teams. Yeah. Could be one of those look ahead games though. They see we got Detroit coming up. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I was, I was making hey, a joke. It should actually be like, look, man, uh, uh, MB, go out there and roast them. You had 50 against them last time. You'll probably rest against the first game against Detroit. So go ahead, have it. You know, go go nuts, go nuts. All right. So it looks like consensus two and zero until we meet again on. Tuesday. Oh, and by the way, that was Tobias Harris's highest point total since uh, two years ago, uh, February, February eighth against Phoenix two seasons ago. Wow. So, so right. you're saying we need to play Atlanta a lot. No, no, that was no that that game wasn't Atlanta. I'm just saying overall, period. That was his highest point. Twenty nine was his highest point since uh, February of the 2021 season. So, so just play to I think Eric saying just play Atlanta. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll get Tobias's numbers, and you'll you'll yeah, like you the contract after that. Yeah, and you'll you'll <laughs> yeah. get out of his pocket. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tage will green light the contract. Yeah, he'll, need, he'll need to pay uh, Atlanta some of that tax we have, we have to do after that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right, well, guys. we hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We'll see you guys next week. Hopefully, Sixers go 2-0 this weekend. Take it easy, everybody. Right Enjoy. Right. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.